That's marching. He's enduringly strong. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a prince of princes. He's a king of kings. And he's a lord of lords. That's my king. Well, it was bound to happen eventually. <laughs> so let me tell you, I had a Facebook memory that came up on my, in my Facebook a few days ago, and it was me standing out here in the snow saying, okay, church, it's time change Sunday. It's the first Sunday of Pastor Aaron's sabbatical, and now it's snowing, but we're going to meet anyway. This weekend, we had already planned we were going to have a scaled-down band because it's the college retreat, so a lot of our players are out. There are a couple of others that are out for other reasons. Austin is not here this morning because there's a brother that he got to help lead to the Lord who's being baptized this morning. So he's there, sharing in that joy. So we had planned for him to not be here this morning. <clears throat> I didn't plan on two band members having 102 degree temperatures. I didn't plan on John Wilson getting COVID. And I certainly didn't plan on Aaron Wallace calling me at 11 o'clock last night and saying, Brother, I've got COVID. You're up. I, I, I think, well, you know, I love to teach. I really hate that it came this way because my brothers are sick. Um, but I'm looking forward to opening God's Word this morning. Uh, and, you know, that little hour sleep, I have to just tell you, Aaron called me just before I took my pills before I go to sleep at night. So much for that. Maybe there'll be a nap later. So, we're in Colossians. Aaron sent me his outline. He sent me his notes. Uh, there are a couple of things that'll come up in this, but we're just going to go verse by verse. And I get to do the passage of Colossians that says, wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> I think this may be a setup. I'm not really sure. So, let me just tell you this. You have heard Aaron and others of us mention the Advanced Church Network. Uh, you've seen a slide even in our countdown and our announcements. We've got a night of praise coming up May the 1st that I would just encourage you. We want you to be a part of that night of praise. If you're a singer, uh, we want you to sing and come be a part of that because it's going to be an hour and 15 minutes of just praise and prayer. We're using Psalm 40, verse 3 as our, 
as our theme that night, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God that many will see and fear and trust the Lord. That's going to be our prayer and our praise that night. But, uh, but the Advanced Church Network is a co-op of like-minded churches in this area, Central Baptist, Bethlehem Baptist, Shine. And this came out of COVID, and it was a matter of churches and pastors working together and supporting one another in desperate prayer, pastoral encouragement, and strategic mission partnerships. And those are the three non-essentials. Those are the things that we come together on, that we study, we pray, we support one another. Well, this last week, Carl, you were there, I believe. This last week, we had Pastor Michael Clower. He used to be pastor of Inglewood Baptist in Jackson. Uh, or in, I'm sorry, there's an Inglewood in Jackson. This is Rocky Mount. Um, and he came, and he was giving pastoral encouragement, at least that's what he called it, to pastors and their spouses, pastors and their wives. And uh, he read our mail. He absolutely, because uh, here's the thing, and Aaron has said this before from this pulpit, there is no difference between Aaron Wallace or John Wilson or Blake Powers or Kevin Bragg and you other than our job is different. We are members, one, we're Christ followers, we're believers in Jesus Christ, saved, sealed, redeemed. Two, we're members of the body called Hepzibah Baptist Church. Our job just gets to be that we are at the center of the faith life of this church. So there's nothing in us that doesn't want to be a better disciple, a better disciple maker, a better husband, a better father, just to do this life in a way that brings glory to God, just like you. Amen? You're here on Time Change Sunday, so I figured I'd get an amen. We are all on a journey. We're all at different points on that journey, but we are all pursuing that goal. So when we get to this passage in Colossians chapter 3, having studied this passage this last week as pastors from Ephesians 5, which are parallel, there's something to be sat with and meditated on and then acted on to, obe to be obeyed. And so we're, we're not going to take a whole long time. Aaron told me, he said, you can do a 20-minute devotion if you want to. He doesn't know me very well. I hold the record at one of my last churches for the longest sermon, but don't, don't. Here's the thing. Let's talk about where we have been. In Colossians, where have we been? We started with praise of God, praise of Jesus. We, then we moved to the sufficiency of Christ. And most recently, we have looked at we need to put off the old self, the old humanity. You remember that? As we got into as we got into that, to put off the old humanity. Because you see, this is this is what we're taught. That when Christ, when we're saved by Christ, he does what to us? He makes us new. The old becomes new. New creation. But there's a problem. 
I don't know about you, but I have a lot of residue from the old. I carry it with me. I feel it in my body. I feel it in my spirit and my soul. There's a whole lot of residue that comes from the old. But our new identity in Christ is inconsistent with the drag of that residue of the old. So he says then to put on the new. Our identity in Christ means that everything of the old has been supplanted by the higher, the better, the holier. But here's the qualifier. In Christ. You see, and I've heard it said from this pulpit in the last couple of weeks, it's not about I need to do better, I need to try harder. Truth is, in a lot of ways, we need to stop. We need to, as, Psalm, as, as I think it's Psalm 40 says, we need to cease striving. We need to be still. We need to trust and press into the things of God. So we're putting off the old humanity. We're putting on the new self. And then the third thing is we put to the test, put it to the test with those who know you best. Now this is where I'm going to be sharing God's word about wives submitting to your husbands and husbands loving your wives with my wife sitting on the front row over here. Put it to the test with the ones that know you best. My son is sitting back here. He knows me. They know my anger. They know my temper. They know my upside, my downside, my good days, my bad days. And we all have good days, yes? We all have days. But then there's 364 other days of a year just kind of round numbers, that we know what the struggle is. We have to remember that there's still residue. There is still a drag there that pulls us. But we're going to put this to the test with the ones that know us, know us best. A guy said to a, another man, he said, hey, so-and-so, do you know if he's a Christian? His response was, I don't know. I've never lived with him. You see, the ones that are closest to us get to see us warts and all, as they say. They're the ones who get to see us, hopefully, in the striving, in the pressing in. But they're also the ones that get to see the worst of us. Let's talk about the hard work of submission. The hard work of submission. Now, that word, we don't like that word, do we? Submit. But let's talk about a couple of things. See, we live in an egalitarian society. Y'all know what that means? Egalitarianism says that everything's equal. Now, I've got your attention now, don't you? Because you want to know what I'm going to say. All men are created equal. Now, that's not scripture, but is it true? All men are created equal. Because this, 
Not because we say it, not because the Constitution says it. Because Jesus said it. He said, I choose to lay my life down for you and you and you and you. Regardless of race, creed, gender, socioeconomic background. But there are different roles in society, true? That's in theological terms, we look at it as complementarianism. Harry laughs because he's just like, how many times have you heard that in church? Here's the thing. Does God love men? Does God love women? Does God love children? Does God love the master? Does God love the slave? Here's the thing. While God loves us equally, he does assign roles and, get this, responsibilities to different people. James 4. Oh, here's your first point there. Following Christ involves submission. If you're going to follow Christ, it involves submission. That's just, that's just the, the truth of it. James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to, there to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We understand, I mean, come on church. We sing, I surrender all, right? Are we lying? Frequently. Listen, my heart says... Lord God, I surrender all. And that's my posture. And that's because of the grace of God in my life that I can do that. Because I don't even deserve the grace to raise my hands and surrender. Y'all understand that? I surrender. But remember that thing, residue, that I talked about? It's like the old adage, and you've seen this before, I'm quite sure. Lord... Thank you for this day. And thank you that, Lord, I haven't upset anybody. I haven't cussed. I haven't taken your name in vain. I haven't done anything. And I just, I, I've lived the perfect day so far. But in just a minute, I'm going to have to get out of the bed. Kind of like this morning, amen? So, Lord, I surrender all. And that can be our heart's cry. That's, this is what we're looking at this passage. Our heart and our motive is what we have to keep pure. And we have to keep surrendered. And we have to keep submitted. All the while knowing that there is the drag of the old nature. Y'all with me? There's the drag of the old nature. And get this, it's not only the old nature, but it's your old nature too, because I'm going to see you sometime. And your old nature and my old nature may just have a moment. That's where this submission comes in. At brothers and sisters, as followers of Christ, we submit. Even Jesus said, Father, if you're willing... Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will. 
There's a submission to authority. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Scripture is loaded with the exhortation to be submitted. To be submitted. Second thing is this, submission is not what we think it is. Submission is not what we think it is. We think of submission in terms of oppression, don't we? Somebody's got their thumb on me. We don't like that. Can I tell you something? There are times when we need to put our American ideal under the mighty hand of God. Because sometimes our flag waving that says, I am independent, flies straight in the face of my dependence on Almighty God. We, we, I mean, we take pride in the fact that we're strong, we're resolute, we're independent. I mean, just look at the last two years. I don't know if y'all realize it, but today is two years, two-year anniversary of our first Sunday where we started not meeting. Two years ago. In that time, we have fought and disagreed and argued. Should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should I get a vaccine? Should I not get a vaccine? And guess what? Nobody's right. Because truthfully, it doesn't matter. When it comes down to it, submission and yielding is part of this life. It is part of even when Jesus says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority given except from God, and those existed have been instituted by God. So there's a level that authority kind of comes in there, and we think of submission as somebody putting, th- putting their thumb down on me. But consider this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And this is actually King James. I went back to the King James on this because I love the word that they use. Have kindly affection one for another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. No other translation uses that word prefer. When you look to the right and you look to the left, there should be someone there that you prefer, that you honor, especially if that someone is a wife or a child. There should be someone there that you esteem. Can I tell you what, brothers and sisters? Here's the thing. They are the Imago Dei. If, if they are saved, and, they, and that's who he's talking to in this passage, is those who are saved. They're the image bearers of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an image bearer. Some of you had a hard time doing that. You're an image bearer of God. And so we honor and we respect and we submit to those folks. Submission does not indicate inferiority. Did you hear what I said? Submission does not indicate inferiority. It is the act of putting others first. 
Why do we have this filter that submission is a bad word? I can give you three letters. Sin. How, how frequently, when we open Scripture, do we look and we see something that God instituted and God ordained being twisted by man? Y'all with me? And I'm not just talking about those who are under submission. I'm talking about those who are the lords, the masters, the rulers, the leaders. Sin comes in on both sides. That's why we have this passage. And that's why he addresses what he does. Maurice said, everyone is subject to authority. And we have to remember that Christianity involves submission. How many of you have ever heard the name Watchman Nee? A few in the room. Watchman Nee. I went most of my adult life never hearing the name Watchman Nee. I had a pastor in Huntsville, Alabama, who read all of, uh, of Watchman's uh, writings. Watchman Nee was a Chinese pastor and theologian in the 20th century. Very outspoken for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of his outspoken nature in a nation such as China, it ultimately led to his imprisonment and his death for his faith. But this was his premise. Any issue... I want to get this right. Any issue for the believer is an authority issue. Now think about that. Any issue for the believer is an authority issue. He says authority in the world is being increasingly undermined until at the end all authorities will be overthrown and lawlessness will rule. But he taught that our idea of the idea of Christianity carries with it that idea that there is an authority. Can we agree that we as brothers and sisters in Christ have the authority over us that is God? That's what makes us brothers and sisters. Because Jesus has called us his own. And so as Christians, we come under the authority of Almighty God. And we look and we remember that he has placed a calling on our lives. He has given his presence to us. And he's given instructions to us. Paul tells us this in Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In 2 Timothy, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, that example of being subject one to another. And that's that passage in Ephesians 5 that parallels this passage in Colossians 3. The idea that we would be subject one to another. With that context, let's go to Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for, the men, for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. All right, keeping in mind that we've talked about putting off the old self, putting on the new self. Now we're taking it outside of ourselves. Let's talk about what it means to put on Christ at home. Remember I said this is put it to the test with the ones that know you best. This is taking it and being able to say, how does this live? I started to put this section, how now shall we live? I thought of Larry Lindsay, uh, and that was one of his favorite things from Francis Schaeffer. How now shall we live? What's being described as we look at this passage of Scripture is personal relationships. What did Jesus teach when he was challenged by the Pharisees? Tell us what the greatest law, the greatest commandment is. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, which is a vertical relationship. And the second thing was love your neighbor as yourself, which is a horizontal relationship. And he said, on this hang all the law and all the prophets. On this hangs all of the instruction, basically of the, New, of the Old Testament. Everything that you've been taught is vertical, love God, and horizontal, love your neighbor. And so that's where we're moving in this passage. We're moving from praise Jesus, Jesus is sufficient, to now let's live this out. Bible does say that there's an order within family structure. The husband has the role of leadership. That doesn't make him any better. And I was waiting for some wives to say amen. It doesn't make him any better. It just gives him the role of, of leadership. Leadership does not mean barking orders. Leadership does not mean demanding one's own way. In fact, 1 Corinthians was tell us that's the opposite of love. It's not about force. It is about faithfulness. It is about being a servant. It's not about submitting to a jerk. What does the passage say there? Wives, submit to your husbands. And then what's the qualifier? As is fitting to the Lord. So, church, who is the who is the um, 
just can't lost totally lost my word. Who's the point of that phrase? It's God. Because we've already said that Christ is a sufficient Lord. We've talked about the gospel, and so now we're saying, wives, submit to your husband as is fitting to the Lord. What do we think? You don't go around saying, you know, that's just not fitting. We don't use that kind of language anymore, do we? Okay? But to think of it as something that is, that is appropriate, that is in keeping with the role or the responsibility that's there. What's the role of responsibility? Is it being a wife? No. It says, as is fitting to the Lord. So ladies, this is not about you and the husband. This is about you and the Lord. And he is saying that that relationship comes first. And, and the submission comes. Now, let's move very quickly. Husbands, what are you supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Love your wife. Don't be like the guy when they sat down with the marriage counselor. And the lady said, we've been married 47 years. And he hasn't told me that he loves me since the day we got married. And he, the guy looked at the counselor and he said, if I'd changed my mind, I would have told her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they got to 47 at that point. Husbands love your wives. What's the qualifier there? As Christ loved the church. And in, and in Ephesians, it says, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It sounds to me like the husband has the majority of the weight in this passage. Because the role for the husband to submit to the, to the Lord as Christ did, that's sacrificial. That is selfless. All that Paul is saying for the wives, seek the Lord first. And submit to that godly husband, the one who is sacrificing and laying himself down for you. Y'all all right? All right. I'm, yeah, I'm not done yet. Now, let me just give you a challenge, and we're going to visit this again. What century do we live in? 21st century. This is not the first century. We have some baggage. Amen? We have some baggage. We have some context, cultural context. What we have to do is we have to look back and say, when Paul was writing this, who was he writing it to, why was he writing, and what was their context? You see, now... We have love. We have Disney movies that make our hearts go pitter-patter. And we have the princess and the prince and all of this kind of thing. In his context, when he was talking about wives and husbands, it was usually an arranged marriage. It was usually something that was contractual 
or a covenant rather than based on looking into her eyes one night and knowing that she's the one. So the context was different. But it talks about our motive as we submit to one another. Going back to that Ephesians. All right, let me move forward. We've got wives. We've got husbands. Children, your turn. And I just want you all to note, this morning, as we gathered for worship, us adults came in here, had our coffee. We're dragging. This whole row of students back here, man, they were lining up, ready to go. Kudos to you guys. Good job. Yeah, you hate the fact that I just pointed you out right now, too. Um, but children, obey your parents. And what's their qualifier? In everything. And all the parents said, Amen. that's where you're supposed to say, preach, you know. <laughs> where do we learn? Oh, me, do I dare say it. Where do we learn to submit to authority? At home. Now, mom and dad, we try. We try. We do our best. Children, do you know that your parents did not feel ready for you when you arrived? And many days, they still don't feel ready for you. Yes, even though they're 50. Because you didn't come with an owner's manual. Thank God for the Word of God, and thank God for the people of God. That's one of the blessings of being plugged into a church like this, is to be able to say thank you that the Word of God is taught, and then secondly, I have people who help me. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You guys have raised my three boys, and I'm thankful for that. Where are your kids? I don't know. They're somewhere in the church. Somebody's got them. It's, it's all right, you know. But children, <laughs> this was a fun thing. Having kids. This is from Ray Romano. Y'all know who Ray Romano is, you know? <laughs> Yeah, all the parents are like, yes, we watch that show, we identify. My wife told me I am Ray Romano, <laughs> except when I'm king of queens. That's sometimes. He says, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everybody's, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Um, what does it mean to obey kids? Well, have you noticed, by the way, that, that most of these things, the instruction we're be, being given is the antithesis of what we do naturally? Remember that old self, the carnal, the fleshly? Wives, women, ladies, are y'all strong? That's not a trick question. Are you strong? 
Amen. Your husband could not survive childbirth. That got the amen, yeah. Ladies, there is a strength that you have that's God-given. And yet you're told to submit. That's one of those, Lord, when I get to heaven, I want to ask. Men, you're told to do what? Love. As Christ loved the church. That goes beyond the eros love. That goes beyond the looking in her eyes and seeing wonderful pools of, of, of blue or green or whatever color. Mine are green. I know that because we just renewed her passport. I had to answer the question. <clears throat> yeah, wrong answer. Too much information. Um, it goes to the agapeo love, which is that love which cares. Are guys naturally nurturers? This is a loud section over here. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and so, contrary to our normal nature, natural, natural thing, God says, okay, wives, I want you to submit. I know you're strong. I know you have an opinion. I know you have a voice. Husbands, care for her. Love her. Shepherd her. Children, you just need to obey Because they learn it from us. They learn it from us. My wife sets some horrible examples for our children, but not nearly as many as I set. How was that for a save? <laughs> I just seeing if y'all were paying attention. We all set bad examples. You know what it is. When you have to discipline your child for the thing that they, you know they learn from you. But we're taught to obey. Well, the best model for children to learn to obey is us. Guys, do we fail? Amen. Yes, we do. But how transparent are we with our children to say, I'm sorry, to say, I'm wrong, to say, I messed up, to say, forgive me? Does that ensure that your children will never go the wrong way? We have no such guarantee. If we come down too hard on the strict and the stern, you see it says, Father, fathers, don't embitter your children. You see that? That means that we have the potential, probably by nature, we can embitter our children. How did Jesus Christ come in John chapter 1? Jesus Christ came full of grace, and truth. How are we supposed to love one another? Grace and truth. How are we supposed to parent our children? Grace and truth. How are we supposed to love our spouse? Grace and truth. There is a balance. That is submitting to one another. That is preferring one another. 
All right, so we got the fathers. Now we need to move on, and because I'm watching the clock, Aaron says he does that. <laughs> he does. Although he, when, it, when the countdown clock goes to the negative, it doesn't phase him one little bit, I'm telling you. Let's move to the verse 22. Slaves in all things, obey those that are your masters on earth, not with external services, those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. All right, now it's been said that this is in an employee-employer kind of status. That's not an appropriate application of this verse. This is the idea when it says slaves, it says it's the word doulos. It's those who serve. It's those who, who, who live their lives under the hand of another person. When it says masters, it's the word kyrie. Kyrie, that's the Latin. Uh, help me, Harry, what is that? Drawing a blank on the, on the, the, the Greek or the Hebrew. Uh, but it's the idea that there's a lordship. And so you have a, there is a lordship and there is a servant. And they depend on one another. So it's not that idea of, yeah, I work for so-and-so. It's the idea that my absolute existence depends on the lordship and the servantship. It's the idea of the bond servant, the indentured servant. My livelihood is tied up. What do we love to do with those that are in authority over us? We talk good about them? Don't lie in church. <laughs> you know what it is. And especially, oh my soul, especially if you get to the proverbial water cooler where your other servants are hanging out. It was the only thing that saved the woman at the well. You remember she went when there was nobody there? It's the only thing that saved her because otherwise she would have been in the midst of all of the muck of the gossip and all the mess that was going on at the water cooler. We, we gravitate to those who are disgruntled as we are. Oh, me. And that's, that's our world, church. Have you noticed? That's our world. Politically, financially, you're a part of this group or you're part of this group. You're part of that group or part of the other group. We find those that agree with us and we grumble. God help us. But he says, slaves obey those who are masters on earth, not with lip service. Oh my. He really got into it. Not with lip service. In other words, I don't do one thing when they're looking and then I do something else when they're not. Got quiet. As those who merely please men. How many of you, I'm just curious, how many of you know you're a people pleaser? Can I just tell you, music ministry is the worst profession to be in when you're a people pleaser. Most of you that know me know I got over it. Or I'm getting over it. I still throw some things in there because, you know, I like y'all and want y'all to like me. But 
but we, we want affirmation. Well, whose affirmation are we supposed to be seeking? The Father's. Husbands, when our wives are submitting to us, we're supposed to be taking them to the Father. Husbands, when we're loving our wives, we're supposed to be, it's supposed to be all of this where we submit ourselves to one another and take, the, take us to the Father. That's supposed to be the posture. That's, it's supposed to be the same way. So we have Christ at home. We have Christ at work. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think that's Aaron's outline, sorry. They're up there, mine's different. Um, but he says, with sincerity of heart, and then what's the qualifier then at the end of verse 22? Fearing the Lord is what mine has. So who is the point of this verse? God. It's the Lord. It's how we stand those who serve and those who are masters. In verse 23, whatever you do. Now you know this verse because you've told your children this verse. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord rather than for men. We tell our kids that. We might want to put that on our own mirror so we can see it. We have lost the ability, we've lost the desire to work. Now church, I'm just going to tell you something. Can we be real? I got, I'm, well, see, I'm over time now, so I'll, I'll ignore it. Here's the thing. Have you noticed a difference over the last two years in your endurance? I tell, I tell people, I, I think it's like a bungee cord. Once the bungee cord has been stretched out, it's just the resilience is not quite what it was. Aaron and I both referred to it as COVID brain because we both had it. We both understood there's this fogginess. There is this, I don't know, I can't remember. You know, it's, that, it's that idea that something's just not quite there. Can I just tell you, that is of this life. That's of this, that's of this body. But it should not change my desire to press into the things of God, to press into obedience to God, to press into submission and subjection to those who are around me, who are on the same journey, it may be something that says, wow, Lord, I hate sin. Because it's, you know, it's because of sin that we have the brokenness, the weariness, the disease. It's like when I, when I hear tragic news of an untimely death. It makes me mad. It makes me mad because that's not the way it's supposed to be. It makes me mad when I hear of somebody, anybody, getting a disease that ends up taking their life. Because that's not the way it's supposed to be. We live this life for the Lord, in the Lord. That's how Paul takes it. Verse 24, knowing that from the Lord, hallelujah guys, from the Lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance. It's the Lord whom you serve. And then he gives a reminder here at the end, verse 25, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong for which he has done. 
and that without partialities. So a reminder that reward is balanced with discipline. God is watching. God is aware. Can I tell you, and I don't mean this tritely, COVID didn't change God. It didn't change his ability. It didn't change his purpose. It didn't change his love for you. It ain't nothing but a thing. Somebody should write a song. Neither are any of the other circumstances, the financial, the relational. Yes, God cares. But he cares less about those circumstances than he does about you and about you stepping into obedience under his authority that he may raise you up for his glory. Y'all with me? That's a picture of the Christian life. Yes, we suffer and we go through pain and children don't want to obey their parents and wives don't want to submit to their husbands and husbands don't know what it looks like to love their wives. I do think it's interesting that as he goes through these sections, verse 18, he addresses the wives, then 19 is the husbands, and then 20, he's his children. And then verse 21, he comes back to the dads. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. Don't embitter your children. Next section, he talks to the slaves, the workers. Whatever you do, work heartily. For he who does right will get a reward. He who does wrong will receive the consequences. But then chapter 4, verse 1, he comes back. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness. Knowing that you too have a master in heaven. This passage always takes us back to God. Always takes us back to Jesus. But I want you to notice, and this is not beaten up. Men, we take the lead. Fathers, don't embitter your children. He has an extra word for the fathers. He has an extra word for the masters. Do you all see that? Those that are in authority, those that are in leadership are held to a higher standard. That doesn't mean just the pastor that stands up front. That means the father who is the head of the home. If you're here today and you're a single, you are going to be tempted to say, this doesn't apply to me. Well, there may not be a ring there yet. And there may not be a ring there ever. But the idea of submitting to authority is every single one of us. The idea of living a life in obedience and submission to the Lord God and to those around us, preferring one another, is every single one of us. Y'all good? Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we can come together and Lord, we can be reminded that, Lord, you are good. You are holy. And Lord Jesus, you hold everything together, as we read in Colossians chapter 1. And Lord, there's so much around us that just seems 
to be desperate and disjointed and disheartened. And so, Lord, today we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, Lord. Thank you for this place where we can come and learn and listen and submit and lead. Father, use us, Lord, in spite of us. We praise you. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. For the resurrection power that gives us everything we need today, tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that convicts, that empowers, that helps us to press into the things of God. And Lord, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you have spoken in this time. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak even as we go through this week. Because when we walk out these doors, and even before, we're going to bump into somebody. We're going to run into somebody. Wives, husbands, children, employers, masters, slaves, whatever the roles are, Lord, whatever the responsibilities are. Help us to bring honor to you, glory to you, and Lord, help us to learn what it is. Relationship by relationship, to submit ourselves to the authority that you have placed us under. Help us, Lord, to have a hungering and a thirsting for your righteousness and an obedience to follow your lead. Lord, in this time, we praise you, we worship you, and we ask that you would continue to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. That's my king. He's enduringly strong. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a prince of princes. He's a king of kings. And he's a lord of lords. That's my king.